Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast with our senior pastor, Ben Martinez. Don't forget to check out our website at calvarychapellubbock.church. There you'll find a lot more about our mission to love God, love people, and live radically. Now here's Pastor Ben. Humility and a passion to praise the Lord. Humility and a passion to praise the Lord are a pair of characteristics which together, listen, indicate growth. Growth and maturity. Let me say that again. Humility and a passion to praise the Lord are a pair of characteristics in our lives which indicate growth and maturity. You see, the Bible is full of self-humbling men bowing before God and doxology, if you will, men giving praise to God. We see that throughout Scripture. A healthy heart is one that bows down in humility and rises in praise and adoration. The Psalms strike both these notes again and again and again. Well, Paul, the Apostle Paul, in his letters, both articulates humility and then breaks into doxology. Undoubtedly, learning to praise God at all times for all that is good is the mark that we are actually growing in grace. You see, church, we are called to cultivate humility and a passion for praise if you want to grow and mature in the Lord. Now listen to me. If we're going to allow the Scriptures to read us, let me say this again. We're called as fully devoted followers of God. We're called as fully devoted followers of God to do what? Well, to cultivate humility in our lives and a passion for praise. And this allows us to grow and mature in the Lord. Now, the reason I open our Bible study this way is because I believe this is what Paul is wanting to teach us this morning. This is what he sort of, his heart is as he's pouring into the book of Philippians. Why? Well, today, listen, here's, here's what Paul's going to do. Paul's going to put flesh on this whole idea of humility and a passion to praise. Put flesh on? <laughs> what are you talking about? How do you, how do you put that? No, no, okay. Well, before I get ahead of myself, let's go back and let me remind you what we've learned so far. Here's what we need to know. All of chapter 2, we discover the idea of walking in humility. Walking in humility. Being humble in our lives. Not thinking too much of ourselves. Not being prideful. Just walking. This is all of chapter 2. And we learned something very important. You go, what's that, Pastor? We learned that we can have joy even in the midst of suffering. Now, now let that sink in. Because church people don't want to suffer. Why? Don't talk. Don't bring that. Don't speak it, brother. That's how we are. But the scriptures are very clear. I was talking to somebody just in my office on Friday, and he was telling me uh, just how certain churches won't even preach the whole counsel of God 
in the fact that, yes, you and I, we're going to run into some distress. We're going to have, we're, we live in this world and it's awful and it's fallen and, and we wake up one day and we're not feeling good and we go to the doctor and the doctor says, oh, by the way, it's cancer. We go, oh my goodness, how did this happen? I've been serving Jesus for 40 years. I don't understand. God, why? Because we live in a fallen world. And it's not God going up there going, hmm, which one of you? You! He, he doesn't do that. It just realizes this is... And, and again, part of the suffering, well, you and I can learn to have joy in that if we have the right perspective. We can have joy. We can have joy. Think about this. I've challenged you all, and I know it's hard, to find the, the good in every circumstance that happens to you. Okay? Our precious sister, right here, she's, she doesn't know I'm going to talk about her. Um, Norma, she was getting off a ladder and she twisted her ankle pretty bad. How do we find joy in that? Lord, what is good about me? Ouch! But God can use that in such an amazing way. That while she's trying to punch the, the, you know, I mean, no, she didn't do that. But, <laughs> but you see, there's every, we, we don't know. I mean, I don't think Norma got up that day and said, okay, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to hurt myself today so I can glorify the Lord. No, it, it happens to us. And so we, our hardest perspective, okay, well, how am I going to handle this? I have one or two ways of handling this. I could... I could be bitter, mean, awful, ugly, and to all the paramedics and everyone helping us, I could be like, I can't believe that. And everybody's like, wow. And you have I Love Jesus sticker on your car, okay. <laughs> or we can have the right perspective and go, okay, Lord, I, I don't, this is, this, is, this, this is not good. This is not good. But how can I glorify you? Now listen, listen. What if, what if, your little mishap, your little, was the only way that you're able to minister to somebody who wouldn't dare set foot in a church. What if? See, God is so bigger than what we think. He, he's directing our path. We don't even know it. Sometimes we end up somewhere where we're not supposed to be, and, and look what God does. You're like, whoa. I knew, I knew he'd do it all the time. No, you didn't. You just wandered in. You're like, Hello. And again, think about this, guys. Think about this. We can have joy. We can have joy in the midst of suffering. Now, something you need to know about teaching the Bible that's been, that's been poured into us from the day I started teaching the Bible is most people say that everything you teach, you have to go through. And I'm like, ah, I don't like that deal. I mean, just because I teach it doesn't mean I have to go through it, because then I would just teach happiness and joy and wealth and prosperity and... <laughs> Bring it, Lord! But I know there's been suffering in my life. I know there's been suffering in your life. Chapter 2 is all about walking in that humility. And we discovered in the first few verses, the first 11 verses, that you and I are called, what are we called to do? To walk worthy of the gospel. And Paul begins to teach with the, this principle, and then he paints a picture. And he begins to help, he helps us to look deep in our hearts 
to do one thing. You ready? Jot this down. That we are representing the kingdom of God. Make sure we're really representing that kingdom. And then I love that he looks at the church and he smiles at them and he says, make my joy complete by being like-minded. So not only is he painting a picture, but he's wanting to make sure that you and I have a submissive heart. A submissive heart. Okay, we have to have a submissive mindset. Paul then paints a picture of humility, and who does he use first? Of course he uses our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's who he uses. He says, okay, let me give you this. He uses Jesus, and then, and then with Jesus, he gives us four characteristics to live by. Here in the first 11 verses. He says, in our lives, the characteristics is there must be sacrifice. There must be sacrifice. And we ask the question, what are we willing to sacrifice for the sake of Christ? What are we willing to sacrifice? Now, listen, if you are plus $6 million in the bank account today, and you give $500, that's not a sacrifice. That's just giving out of your abundance. But Paul says, what are you willing to sacrifice? Which means you may not have it. It might be something that that really stretches you. What are you willing to sacrifice for the sake of Christ? I'll tell you what a lot of us sacrifice for the sake of Christ that we don't always get a good return. And it's something that we don't get back. It's time. It's time. We give our time and sometimes we don't get a return. Oh, I spent so much time with this person and I got nothing. But we continue to sacrifice, not for us, but for the sake of Christ. Why? Because maybe your time was simply for you to plant. And now you don't have that time anymore, but somebody else is going to come and water. And somebody else is going to cultivate. And all of a sudden, oh, there's fruit on me. Huh, wow. And three or four years later, you look at this fellow and you go, hey, I didn't see you in a while. Oh, I've got to tell you. Man, what you did impacted me. And now I'm serving the Lord, and you're like, what? I thought, I thought you. You go, what else? The second characteristic, guys, is, is we talked about this submissive. Oh, I'm sorry, being a servant. Being a servant. Listen, church, if we're going to have the same mindset of Jesus, then we all need to become bond servants to the Lord. Now, again, remember. You can't just mix bondservant with servant because we're all called to be servant. When he says he's a bondservant, he's literally a slave by choice. A slave by choice. He's like, okay. So it's not just, hey, you just need to serve. Okay, I'm, I'm going to pass out bulletins or I'm going to clean the coffee pot. I'm serving. This goes deeper into a service unto the Lord. And then he says, you need to be submissive. That's another characteristics. Our Jesus had the mindset to sacrifice and serve in submission. Here's my question. Are we willing to submit to the Lord all that we do? Are we willing to obey the word of God to bring honor to the Father? That's what we got to do. And last but not least, and this is the one we don't like, it's, it's suffering. It's suffering. Pastor, I'm not coming back to this church if you keep talking about suffering. I'd rather tell you the truth, and so that you're ready for it, than not than 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 pander you, and and life life just hits you upside the head. I'd rather tell you the truth. This is what he says. 
Now, again, you and I, you need to jot this down. We are never more like Christ than when we're suffering. We're never more like Christ. You and I, if we can be honest in church, we love to control as much as we can control. We like to control us. We like to control things. And then when we find ourselves in a vulnerable position where we have no control, man, our hearts go deeper into Christ, doesn't it? You never more because you're like, oh, I found, guess what I found out? I don't have any control. I can try to fix maybe what's wrong. I have no control over this, Lord. Lord. You're never closer to Christ than when you go through a crisis and you're trusting Him for the outcome. I, I don't want to go through this again, guys, but, but almost close to eight, nine years ago, I could have lost my wife to cancer. And that haunts me, if you will, every day thinking, okay, this thing could have turned south very quickly. And what was interesting to me, my wife had just got diagnosed with breast cancer. I get a call at the church. Hey, can you come pray for my mom? She's in the hospital. I go to pray for someone's, I don't even know who it was. I pray for her mom. Guess what? She's dying and it started with breast cancer. And I'm sitting here going, watching this poor lady just, it had moved to her brain and I'm just praying. I'm going, Lord, what are you doing? But I'll never forget how close because you have no control and you're trusting and hoping in the one that's going to walk you through this. You go, Ben, what, what if she would have died? Because a lot of us have, we've lost people that we loved. What if, what if she would have died? We have to trust Jesus. Yes. And I got to the point where I said, Lord, I, as much as that's my wife, she's your daughter first. Yes. And I have to trust you. I may not like it, Guys, there's suffering. There's pain in the offering. But one day, let me give you some hope. One day, man, we're going to shed these bodies and all, and we're going to have just wonderful, yes, wonderful, glorified bodies. No more pain or suffering. No more tears. No more cancer. No more arthritis. No more lupus. None of this, John. We're just, we're just going to be free to serve God and have this unbelievable peace. I can't wait for that day. And so, in our text, if you recall, we noticed the humility in the exaltation from God the Father. And it was a great picture because Jesus humbled himself and then God exalted him. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. Humble yourself. Look at others. Hold them in high esteem as well. Be encouragement to others. Do you don't condone sin? You don't go, oh well, brother, you're okay. Just go do. We encourage, bro. Listen, and we lift each other up. It's like wow. So we're continuing with that same thought process. And Paul is going to put, if you will, flesh on the idea. And you go, Ben, what do you... Okay, hold on. Now, I know what you must be thinking. Put flesh on. Yes, we saw the picture of Jesus, and many would say, well, Ben, of course. You know what? This was God in the flesh. 
Of course, Jesus is the perfect picture of humility. Of course. Um, Newsflash, I'm not him. I'm not Jesus. I'm me. Well, Paul understanding our heart, he says, okay, now I painted the picture of the perfect, but now I want to paint a picture using normal people, if you will. Normal people. Regular people. How many of you are regular people? (laughs) And so he uses Timothy and Epaphroditus. Timothy and Epaphroditus. He's going to talk about Timothy in verses 19 through 24, and then he's going to talk about Epaphroditus in 25 through 30. You go, so what's the goal? The goal this morning is to find and apply some characteristics that we see in this man. This is how we need to do Here's what I would ask you to do. I hope that every one of us this morning got up and looked in the mirror. At least looked in the mirror to see how you look. You know, do, you know, I mean, let's be honest. Make sure that you didn't have any in, in your nose and make sure you're not coming to church. And we, we, everybody got us and, <laughs> and we looked and we, and we combed our hair and we brushed our, I hope you did. But I know every one of us looked in the mirror at least to see, okay, before I go, am I presentable? The word of God is a mirror to us. And if we look at both Timothy and Epaphroditus, I want to see where do I, where, do I see in myself some of these characteristics in these men? Now, Timothy and Epaphroditus, they're not superhuman Christians. And so I want to see, okay, how, how do, what happened? Because I want to, I want to see if I want to mirror myself to them. And that's what we want to do. We want to do this. Okay? So, let's, let's look at Timothy. Now, before we jump into our text, I need to give you some background on old Tim. Okay? Timothy, his name means honoring God. He's also called Timotheus. He's one of the best known Paul's companions and fellow laborers. He was of Derby or Lystra, depending on the cities of Lyconia. Think about this. His father was Greek, probably not a believer. His mother was Jew. So right off the bat, you've got a, you got a kind of a kind of family. You know what I'm talking about? It's like, oh, oh, we don't match at all. He's Greek, I'm Jew, we, we're, we're, we're coming down from two different cultures. But what I love that Timothy got is Timothy had a mother and a grandmother who got saved and began to pour into young Timothy. And then when Timothy was old enough, he saw Paul come by at about 48 AD in Lystra and got saved himself. He's like, yes, I believe this. And he was actually introduced to the ministry in which he so adorned. But one of the things that we need to understand, church, listen, is that, and I was thinking about this, I was thinking about Paul and Timothy, because I got to tell you a funny story. It's a funny story about Joseph Harris. You know who Joseph is, right? Joseph Harris, how many years ago, Joe? Seven? Seven years ago, Joseph comes walking in the church. He sits way back there. He folds his arm, and he wants to make sure that I'm preaching the truth. And he comes, and he goes, okay. And there's Joseph just looking at me like, say something wrong. And I just loved on Joseph. And Joseph is a young Timothy who eventually got used, who eventually began to be used in the ministry. 
And when I was reading this, I'm going, we need more Timothys in the ministry. We need more Timothys. But here's what I want you to see. Timothy had witnessed the suffering of Paul. He witnessed that suffering and still said, I'm in. I'm in. I'm in. And he loved Paul as a father in Christ. Now, me and Joseph are bros, so I hope he doesn't look at me as a father figure because I'm not that old. But how sweet to have a spiritual, to be a spiritual dad to people and to disciple them and mentor them and bring them up in the ministry. Wow. Wow. Timothy applied himself to labor in the gospel. And Paul did, um, and did Paul very, very important services through the whole course of his preaching. Paul calls him not only his dearly beloved son, but also his brother, his companion, and uh, he calls him a man of God, observing that there was no more, no one more united with him in heart and mind than Timothy. This is who Tim is. Now, the Philippians had sent Aphrodite to care for Paul during his imprisonment. We're going to see that in verse 25. But Paul now prepares to send Timothy to care for the Philippians. So that's kind of where we're going to pick it up. Paul's going to put flesh on humility, the idea of humility, through Timothy. And that's what we want to look at today. Picking it up in verse 19, notice what he says. He says, But I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly, that I may also be encouraged when I know your state. For I have no one like-minded who will sincerely care for your state. For all seek their own, not the things which are of Christ Jesus. Do you see that? I love this because in the New Living Translation, it says, If the Lord Jesus is willing, I hope to send Timothy to you for a visit. There's some great application we can draw just from verse 19. And you go, what's that? Paul says this, but I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy. It hadn't happened yet. Wasn't sure if it's going to happen. Here's what he was trusting in the Lord. And one of the things that jumped out at me, church, so much was in verse 19. It's I just feel like God is going to be in control of everything always. And we can just simply say, I trust that this is going to happen. I hope it does. It may not. I'm okay with it. See, the rub happens is when we look for something to happen so much that we get discouraged when it doesn't happen. We often, if you will, we often try. What do we often try to do? We often try to direct God with the way we see things here on earth. Okay, Lord, well, if this happens and this happens and you do this and I do this and, and this happens, then it'll work out for me. Amen? Is that good for you? And God's like, no, you don't see the whole parade. And if we don't trust him at that point, like Timothy does, guess what happens? When it doesn't happen, we get so discouraged with God that we sit here and we go, well, I can't believe it. Lord, I saw an easy way. You didn't fix it. And then a year goes by or two years go by and you realize God had your back the whole time and you're like, oh, oh, oh. 
Oh. You see, this happens in relationships. This happens in relationships. I was a young, 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 young guy and was dating this girl. wasn't Nathalie. She knows about it, so don't look at me that way. <laughs> bought this young girl. I'm a young guy. Bought this girl a promise ring. Promised that I'd one day marry her. Bought her an engagement ring. And then she had the gall to break up with me. I know. I'm like, Psh. it's the whole package here. Are you kidding? She broke my heart. I was engaged. She broke my heart. Well, there's this other guy. What do you mean there's this other guy? And so, for a while, uh, you know, just, just broke. God, what are you doing? God, what are you doing? Lord, I led her to the Lord. I, Lord, she's, what's going on? And God goes, dude, chill. Because I have someone far better for you. In the long run. But had I not trusted God, I'd still be there going, God, how could you do this to me? What kind of God are you? You make me fall in love and spend my money and da 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 And then she breaks up with me? Are you kidding? No, no, no. God goes, listen, I got an athlete for you. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And you go, and what's this girl's name? I don't even remember her name anyway. So, you know, I mean, that's a, but, but look at your life. Look at your life for a second, guys. Are you trusting in the Lord regardless of what happens? Lord, you're working it out. I gave my life to you. Here's what I hope would happen, God. Here's what I hope. But if it doesn't, I'll just trust that you have my best interest at heart. That's that's how I trust. That's, That's what I trust. You see, there hasn't been a time that I haven't tried to beat Joe Mabry or Adam Wilkins in golf. And I have not won yet. Go ahead. (laughs) I trust that the Lord wants me to still be their friends, and so I let them win. You understand that? (laughs) Although I'm getting better, so it's coming, just so you know. But I trust the Lord Jesus. He goes, man, Lord, if you're willing, I want to send Timothy to you. And so here's here's why. So he can cheer me up by letting me know how things are going. So let me unpack this. If the Lord Jesus is willing, he says, again, so, so Paul's heart is to send Timothy to them so Paul can be encouraged on how this church is doing. Now, here's what I don't understand. Paul, you're in prison. You've got a lot to think about. What do you care about the church? He goes, no, 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 because joy is not about me. Joy is, I want to hear how you're doing. I want to hear how you're walking with God. I want to hear how you're getting closer to Jesus. I want to hear how, how you're, you have victory in your life. That's what I want to hear. This is what makes me happy. And joy comes from Jesus, others, and then you. Okay? So he goes, this is what I want to do. Now, what we need to remember is that when Paul planted churches, he made deep connections with people. He made deep connections. He found joy by hearing how well they're doing, and I think, how much more today? Listen, church, here, here's what I would encourage you. We don't just go to church. I'm going to try out this church. I'm going to try this church. No, no, church is about deep connections, and it's about doing life together so that, so that man is like, man, I've got, a, I've got a deep connection. I've got a deep connection. And, and we're family. You understand that. We're family. And when pastor doesn't see you, we're family. It's like, man, 
Man, when when a few weeks ago heard that 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 uh, Sister Eva wasn't feeling good, that's family. That's family. Are she okay? What's going on? Oh, she's not. She's not doing good. Okay. It wasn't like well, she just comes here. I don't know. Whatever. We're family. And so we rejoice when, when people rejoice. Oh, you, you bought a new car, you bought a new house, you're getting married, blah, blah, blah. That's amen. But we also suffer when other people say, oh, man. Yeah. We walk, with, we walk with people through that. We walk with people. So in verse 22, look at your text. We discover some characteristics of Timothy. He's clothed in humility, but let's dig a little bit deeper. Why? Because the goal for us is to emulate and imitate some of these same characteristics. Okay? Not verse 22, sorry, verse 20. He says this, For I have no one like-minded who will sincerely care for your state. For all seek their own, not the things which are in Christ Jesus. Okay, so I know you're taking note. The very first thing we noticed is Timothy is what? He's single-minded for Jesus. Single-minded. For, now, we talked about this before, okay? I don't want you to misunderstand when I say single-minded for Jesus because it almost sounds like, well, I can't love my wife because I'm single-minded for Jesus. No, it just means that your heart and your life go to Jesus first, and then everything from there will flow into your relationships with your spouse, with all your kids, your grandkids. It just flows from there. Yeah. But Timothy, first and foremost, was he says he was like-minded. And we know that there will be, what? He knows that there will be sacrifice. He knows that there will be service. We saw that in the life of Jesus. We also see that in the life of Paul and the life of Timothy. Learning to be single-minded toward Christ leads us to be submissive to him. And you go, how so? You ready? Because as you and I seek to live for Christ and live for others, we are disciplined to grow in our submissive mindset. You see that? We're disciplined. We're going. Now, again, listen to the way Warren Wearsby puts this. Quote, In Timothy's experience, we learn that a submissive mindset is not something that suddenly and automatically appears in the life of a believer. I went to Calvary Chapel and now I'm submissive. No, no, no. Timothy had to develop and cultivate the mind of Christ. It was not natural for him to be a servant, but as he walked with the Lord and worked with Paul, he became the kind of servant that Paul could trust and God could bless, end quote. I can't say it better than Warren. This is exactly what he said. He said, listen, we need to develop, everybody say develop, a mind, a mind love Christ. It was, it was back in the day where we wore those bracelets, WW, what would Jesus do? But nobody did what Jesus would do. We just wore the bracelet. But how much more if we go, what would Jesus do and that's what I'm going to do? See, my flesh wants to, oh, you really got me and you, mm, I'm just upset. But Jesus would just have compassion and grace and mercy and so that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to smile and say, I love you, man. Love you. I'm not going to allow you to hurt me, but I love you. We're going to keep moving. Give me the second thing. The second thing we noticed 
is, and again, read it again, guys. It says here, for I have no one, he says, no one out there is like-minded who will sincerely, do you see that in your Bibles? And I want you to see that the second thing we notice is Timothy cared for people sincerely. Very important. Jumps out of the text. To begin with, Timothy naturally cared for people and was concerned about their needs. See, he was not interested in winning friends. He was not interested in, hey, let me, let me be an influencer. He was genuinely interested in the physical and spiritual welfare. How do you know? Because if you look up sincerely in the Greek, it's gnosis, gnosis, and it means genuinely, it means faithfully, and it means sincerely. Sincerely. This is only used one time in the whole entire New Testament, and it's used right here. And it's used to give genuine praise for Timothy. Now, remember, back in our study, when Paul refers to those who were not sincere... Okay, They had others preaching the gospel for different motives. They wanted to be popular. They wanted to make money. They wanted power. They're still preaching the gospel, and Paul says, God will work that out. But Timothy, no, no, no. Timothy is sincere. Sincere. And so that brings an applicational question. You go, what's that? When we look at our lives, if we're going to mirror Timothy to our lives, the question we've got to ask is, the things we do for others. Is it sincere, or is there a secret motive behind it? The things that we do. And that's a great question to ask. Because sometimes, again, we need to, we need to cultivate a, 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 a sincere help for others by doing faithfully and genuinely. Because we care about the needs of others, listen to me, not looking for some, something in return. Yes. Come on. Come on, church. This is the highlight in the godly character, godly character that Timothy is mentioned in verse 19. Paul considered Timothy, he's unique. And part of his uniqueness was he found in his sincere concern for the Philippian Christians. Think about it. What do we do? Are we looking for something in return? Husbands, why do we do the things for our wives? Well, early on, oh, listen, if I wash the dishes and I vacuum the floor... And I take out this and I do all this, then she won't be tired. It'll be a little something, something for me later. Isn't that a wrong motive? And, and you laughing because you know exactly it's true. Be like, oh, yeah. But if you're sitting in your recliner and you're letting her do everything, and it's like, hey, sweetie, no, I'm tired. Oh. And, and so what do we do, guys? We, here's what he's saying. We don't, we don't do things for people hoping that I can... Get something in return. We do them out of sincerity. Oh, man, baby, I love you. Yeah, it doesn't matter. I just, wow, wow. You know why I wash the dishes? Because I ate out those dishes. You know why I vacuum? Because I brought in with my shoes. I mean, we just, we got to help. We got to serve each other. But we got to do it sincerely. 
So I said, we've got to develop that sincerely. Timothy does that. Why? Because notice the contrast in verse 21 with me, guys. Look at 21. He says, for all seek their own and not the things which are of Christ Jesus. Now, let me give you number three. Okay, I've given you one. Number two is sincerely, but number three, Timothy is not self-seeking, but he seeks the Lord. This attitude is reflected through all the chapter in Christ, Timothy, and we're going to see in Epaphroditus. But think about this. He says, all, he says, all seek their own. All seek their own. Not Timothy. Not Timothy. Timothy doesn't seek their own. He seeks the Lord. He's serving the Lord. Church, listen, as believers, you ready? Let me say this. We need to let our yes be yes and our no be no. If there's something you can do and you can do it sincerely and you can do it genuinely and you can do it faithfully and you want to do it, say yes. Don't say yes and then not show up. Don't say yes and then, and then, ah, and then complain about it. Yeah, I told Abel I'd go help him move. I don't want to do it. Man, so I got there 15 minutes late and I complained the whole time. And uh, yeah, I love my brother Abel. Let's, you see how that, 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 let your yes be yes and your no be no. Hey, bro, I wish I could. I just really don't want to. Or just be like, hey, I don't think I can do it this time. He was seeking Christ. And then Paul finishes some great encouragement. Look at, look at verse 22. But you know, but you know his proven character. Way to go, Tim. That as a son with his father, he served me in the gospel. Therefore, I hope to send him to you at once as soon as I see how it goes with me. But I trust in the Lord that I myself shall come also shortly. Now, just Paul says, listen, listen, there might, there might be a time, hey, I just hope I get, I hope I get there. I'm trusting in God. I mean, I'm going to send him to you, but man, I'd really love, I'd really love to see you. And I love that he says, but you know his proven character. His proven character. Let me give you number four. Okay? Putting flesh on humility, Timothy served with Paul and served Paul as a son would serve his father. You see that? He just served Paul. I love that Timothy doesn't go, hey, I should be like Paul. I should get the accolades. Listen, there should be more of my writings in the New Testament than Paul. He doesn't do that because, guys, we're called to serve. Oh, come on. We're called to serve on people as unto the Lord. When you serve at Calvary Chapel, you don't go, I'm serving Pastor Ben. No, I'm serving Jesus. I'm serving Jesus. And if you're serving Jesus, ooh, this is going to get good. You ready? Then you don't need somebody to pat you on the back and Come say, on. good job. You're serving the Lord. And he sees it. He sees it. And if somebody says, thank you, you go, amen, and you keep moving on. But you're serving who? Jesus. This is why we serve. And guess what? I don't know if you knew this, but all y'all are part of the body of Christ. So as we serve Jesus, we serve each other. And so that's the beauty of that. That's the characteristic. Okay, so quickly, let's recap. Hoping 
our lives will have the same characteristics as Timothy. We've got to be single-minded for Jesus. Sincerity, sincerely caring for others. Seeking the Lord Jesus versus seeking self-motives. And then service unto the Lord. Okay, you got those? Let's move to Epaphrodites. First and foremost, Epaphrodites. Um, if you're looking for those of you who haven't had kids, this is a great name. Um, you'll just, Epaphrodites, I mean, he'll never learn how to spell it until he's in high school. But his name means fair, graceful, and handsome. So that's a pretty cool name, right? So Epaphrodites was a good-looking, well, maybe they thought he was. But anyways, here's the point. He was a delegate of the Christian community to Philippi. Sent with their gift to Paul during his first Roman imprisonment, Paul calls him my brother, my fellow worker, and my fellow soldier. These three words are arranged in ascending scale. Let's pick it up in verse 25. We're going to read through 30, and then we'll unpack it very quickly. Paul writes, Yet I consider it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother, fellow worker, fellow soldier, but your messenger and the one who ministered to my need, since he was longing for you all and was distressed because he had, you had heard that he was sick. For indeed he was almost, he was sick almost unto death. But God had mercy on him. And not only him, but me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore I sent him the more eagerly that when you see him again, you may rejoice and that I may be less sorrowful. Receive him, therefore, in the Lord with all gladness, and hold such a man in esteem, because the work of Christ has come close to death, not regarding his life, to supply what was lacking in your service toward me. Okay? Now, remember, chapter 2 is all about humility, and we saw that in Jesus, we saw that in Paul, we saw that in Timothy. Now let's look at Epaphrodites. Look at verse 25 with me. He says, yet I considered it necessary to send you Epaphroditus, my brother, fellow worker, and fellow soldier, but your messenger and the one who ministered to my need. Now, let's learn more uh, about Epaphroditus, because first and foremost, Paul calls him a brother. If you look up that word brother, it's, just, it's not just, hey, he's my bro, you know, we, we, we play some basketball together. He's my bro. We, we hang out and we jam together. He's my, no, no, no. It goes deeper. He's saying, he's family. He's family. This is my brother. Okay, he's, he's more than a friend. He's, he's my brother. That's Epaphrodites. And he says, and not only that, he's a fellow worker. A fellow worker. If you look up the word worker, it's companion in, in labor. It's a helper it's a worker. And he says, not only that, he's a fellow soldier. Soldier. He's an associate and he's a co-campaigner. These are what all these words mean. You go, Ben, what does it mean? Well, if Epaphrodites is closed in humility, what are we to look for? You go, what's that? Well, I want you to circle the word worker in your Bible. And you go, why? Because in the Greek, something jumps out to us pretty interesting. You go, what's that? The Greek word for worker is synergos, synergos. You go, okay. It's where we get our English word synergy, synergy. You go, what does that mean? Listen to the definition of synergy. An interaction or cooperation of two or more organization, substance or other agents to produce a combined effect greater than the sum of their separate effects. That's synergy. 
You go, okay, what does that mean? Well, it means teamwork, it means partnership, it means unity. It means that all you all together, if we have great synergy, we can accomplish more for the kingdom than we could individually. Come on, somebody. We can do more together. That's what it means. And I like that Paul uses that word. He's like, man, we could do more. If you and I are to walk in humility, that often leads us to synergy. Why? Because a godly heart for teamwork, a godly heart for partnership, a godly heart for unity. And what would be the goal? What would be the sum or the greater of the sum? It would be the gospel. It would be the gospel of Jesus Christ. So if you and I are going to impact our city, if we're going to impact the city for the gospel, then we have to have what Paul called, we have to be fellow workers. There has to be synergy. There has to be... We have to look deep in our lives and see if we say, if we share the same characteristic as Epaphrodites. As Epaphrodites. You go, what do you mean? Well, in our lives, first and foremost, we need to go, are we brothers and sisters? Well, I know I go to that church. I don't know anybody there. I don't talk to anybody. I just there. No, no. I don't know. We're not brothers. No, are we brothers and sisters? Are we brothers and sisters? Are we, basically, are we helping in ministry? Are we a worker for the gospel? Ask yourself that question. Am I helping in the ministry? You go, I, I'm not at the church full-time like you, dude. No, but you're called to ministry. Paul says, we're all workers of ministry. We want to get the gospel out. And, and God does this amazing way because he hardly brings anybody here to the church during the week. You understand that. But he sends you out among all the people with a ministry. Go, oh, okay. And he says, are we fellow soldiers in the Lord's army? So again, do we have that synergy? Are we working in unity? Are we together? That's what he's calling that. And then another amazing and beautiful characteristics is actually found in verse 26. He says, since he was longing for you all and was distressed because you had heard that he was sick, for indeed he was sick, almost unto death, but God had mercy on him. And not only him, but me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. Guys, notice Aphrodite's was distressed. He was, he was very distressed that you heard he was ill. He was, he was so distressed. And again, think about this. He was, he was so sick that he was almost dead. That's how sick he was. Now, here's what we learned we learn that not only was Epaphrodite sick, but he had heart sick because he was worried about the Philippian church. Oh, they heard that I'm sick. Oh, they're going to be so worried about me. Oh, I don't want them to worry. I'm going to be okay. Oh, oh no. You know how that is, right? We don't want, when we're, when we're not feeling good, we don't want anyone else to worry. No, I'm fine. I'm fine. This is what makes us stubborn. When we're sick, we're like, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm okay. <laughs> you know, we're just really sick. But we want, what do we want? We, we don't want other people to worry. And because Paul and Epaphrodites and Timothy calls them family, 
the last thing we want to do is cause our family to worry about us. And you'll, you'll hear this oftentimes. You'll call, you go, man, I went to the hospital to see him. He said, I'm doing great. And when I walked out, he went home to be with the Lord. What gives? He didn't want you to worry. He, he had a heart. For, this, is a, this is, you guys, he was, well, you could jot this down. He was, well, he was sympathetic to the church. And that's where joy comes in. Joy comes in when he goes, man, I'm sick. I'm almost dying, but I'm more worried about how you guys are doing. I'm more worried about how you guys are doing. And, and again, he was distressed knowing that they knew he was ill. And you go, well, what does that sympathy mean? Well, it's feelings of pity and sorrow for someone else's misfortune. If you want to live with true joy in your life, take your eyes off you and put it on others, regardless of what you're going through. And you'll eventually see, wow. And people go, how did you do that? When you were going through so much that you were just so giving, and that's what got you through. That's what got you through. It's amazing to me. You go, what's that? That he was more worried about them in the, in the middle of dying and how this would affect the people he loved. What's the application? You ready? Walking in humility with our God helps us to take our eyes off what we're going through, and this allows us to fully engage with others and how they're feeling. My question is, do we have sympathy for others? Are we characterized by a sympathetic heart? You've got to be so careful because we can easily cross the line of being judgmental. Well, if you would just do what I do, if you would just take this or do this. Sometimes we just go, oh, I'm so, I'm so sorry you're hurting. I'm so sorry you're worried. Don't worry about me. I'm good. I'm good. How are you doing? You all right? Is there anything you want to talk about? And, and again, we take our eyes off of us. This is Scripture. Now, let's find the third characteristics. We're about to close. He says, for indeed he was sick almost unto death. We saw that God had mercy on him. Of course, thank you. He said, therefore, verse 28, I sent him the more eagerly that when you see him again, you may rejoice. Paul's like, Ben, I'm going to send him to you because I want you guys to just rejoice. And that if I know he's better, I'll be less sorrowful knowing that you guys are happy. Receive him, therefore, in the Lord with all gladness and hold such a man in esteem. Why? Because for the work of Christ, he came close to death, not regarding his life, to supply what was lacking in your service toward me. You know what he said? Wow, what was the last thing that Aphrodite was willing to do? And again, we see it. It was sacrifice. It was, notice what he says. He risked his life for the work of Christ. And that he was at the point of death while doing for me what you couldn't do from far away. Can you imagine? Can you imagine a prophetess? He's not sure what he has, but he was really sick, and he was still trying to wait on Paul in prison. <coughs> Paul, are you, are you okay? No, I got this, Paul. Don't worry about it. No, Aphrodite's go. Go rest. No, I got you, Paul. As long as, listen, Paul, as long as you're doing good, man, the gospel is getting out there. <laughs> I'm just not feeling that great. I'll be okay, Paul. I'll be okay. 
Paul says, man, I'm writing the letter to, oh, I know I worry about them. Tell them I'll be all right. I'll be all right. I'll be good. I'll be good. And he was willing to sacrifice. He was willing to sacrifice. He was willing to risk it all for the sake of Christ. Even illness did not stop the work of God in this man's life. How many of you realize that death for the believer is not the end? So if we work unto the Lord, the gospel, and we get to go home, amen. And that's why he said, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. Why did he say that? Because he goes, listen, even if I'm sick, even if I'm hurting, even if I've, I got a sprained ankle, even if I got whatever it might be, unto the Lord, amen. Amen. I'm going to do my very best to bring the gospel. And that's, that's the heart of Epaphrodites. He was willing to risk it all. Now, let me give you a side note. Okay, side note here. Even as believers, we succumb to the evil and illnesses of this world. We do. We're not exempt from sicknesses. And so if it happens, what do we have to do? We have to have the proper perspective. A willingness, a willingness to, to sacrifice. You go, Ben, what, what, what's, what do I sacrifice? You ready? Comfort. We all long to live a comfortable life, and sometimes it's like when, when you have an illness, that's not a comfortable life. And you go, okay, okay. Humility, humility leads us to sacrifice for the sake of Christ. Now, let's do a simple heart check as we close, okay? Let's do a simple heart check. If we were to mirror verses 19 through 30, looking at Timothy and Epaphroditus, do our lives come close to these men. And you're like, man, Pastor, I didn't come to church to get beat up on. I agree. Because I looked at my life and went, ooh, oh, hmm. Let, let me put it to you this way. If, if you and I were in a court of law and you were being tried for these characteristics that we learned today, you're being tried, Okay? Would we be found guilty on all counts? There's seven of them. Would you be, all, you know what? Guilty, count number one, count number two, count number three. And, 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 and you go, what do you mean? Well, what are the counts? Well, number one, are you guilty for being single-minded to Jesus? Single-minded, focused on him, loving Jesus. Number two count, sincerely caring for others. No motives behind it. You just love people. Love God. Love people. Where have you heard that before? Number three count. Seeking the Lord Jesus versus, well, again, self-seeking motives. Well, if I do this for so-and-so, Man, I've got a great marketing connection, and man, then this could happen, and this could happen. Oh, man, listen, listen, yeah, yeah, let's go, let's go do that. If I let Joe Mabry win at golf, then we'll continue to play golf, because then he can think he could beat me. It's a win-win. Self-seeking motives. Would you be guilty on service unto the Lord? Service, just serving God. 
Serving God in the church, serving God in your community, in your neighborhood, serving God. Hey, let me ask you a question. If you notice a bunch of trash in your neighbor's yard, how many of you go pick that up and put it in the trash? Well, that's my neighbor's. No, you just pick it. Hey, this is... How many of us serve our, our elderly folks who can't do the things that they used to do? Hey, I'll go over and mow your lawn, sir. Not a problem. And I don't expect $20 or $40 for mowing it, just because I love Jesus. Would we be guilty for synergy? If we were being tried, would we be guilty for synergy? Are we working together for a common good, the gospel? Would we be guilty for sympathy? Oh, I care about you. I care about you. And would we be guilty for sacrifice? Now, before we get down on ourselves and for not fully having all these, oh, Lord, man, I, I, I think I'd be tried for two out of three. It's okay. Because I want us to remember that as we grow in them, as we walk with God daily, asking for help from the Holy Spirit. You know, I'm not there. I'm not there either. But that's the goal. One day, I want to be tried on all accounts and found guilty. Amen. Because humility and a passion to praise helps us to grow in his grace. Can I get an amen? amen? Father, we thank you for your word today and the truth in your word. We thank you for your great love for us, and we thank you for your mercy and your grace. Lord, there are some great characteristics of these men, but they're, they're, they're normal men who fell in love with you, who walked with you, and, and God, that's what we want to do. Just, just be like them. Paul said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. And so, Lord, we want to we follow in that. Father, forgive us when we fall short on some of these things. Help us to be more. Help us to grow. It's about growing. And one day, one day, we will be guilty on all accounts and find joy in our heart. We thank you for that, Lord. Hey, with every eye closed and every head bowed, I never want to leave a time without giving you an opportunity to surrender to Jesus. So, like, you might be here today, and you might be going, hey, hey, um, man, Pastor Ben, you were saying some things, all these things you were saying, and i got to be honest with you, what really hit me, I don't have a relationship with God like that. I don't have a relationship with Jesus. As a matter of fact, I'm, I feel like I'm a million miles away. Well, listen, you may feel like you're a million miles away, but you're one decision from coming back to him. Well, what do I have to do? What do I have to do? Well, in a minute, I'm going to give you an opportunity to do something. Just simply raise your hand so I can pray for you. You go, raise my hand. Well, people will see me. No, 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 Every, everybody's going to be praying. But I want God to see your heart, to stand up bold for him and say, yes, I, I want to follow Jesus. And if that's you today, allow the Holy Spirit to move in you and don't be ashamed. Raise your hand and say, yes. And then if you raise your hand, I'll acknowledge you. I'll try to point you out. 
and then I'm going to lead you in a prayer. Would you do that with me? If you're here today, honestly, and you're saying, Pastor Ben, I don't have a relationship like that, but I want one. Would you pray for me? Would you just lift your hand right now and say, Pastor, I want that. I want that. Would you do that? Go ahead and lift it right now. God bless you too in front. I see you. Who, who else? Raise your hand. You're wanting God to move mightily. Yes, God bless you. You're wanting that relationship. God bless you. I'm not talking, you're already, you're already saved. I'm talking to, you, you, you just need to know. You're just going, okay, okay, Ben, I'm, I'm, I'm confused here. What are you saying? You already have a relationship with God and you want to enhance that relationship. That's great. I'll pray for that too. But I'm saying that you don't know Jesus and you want to know Jesus. You want to know that if you died today, you'd go to heaven because of him. Would you lift up your hand for that? Just want to make sure, want to clarify it, because I know people in here are saved, and they're just wanting to draw closer to God. But I want to make sure that you're saved. So my question to you today, are you saved? Do you have a relationship with the God that created you? If not, today's your day. And all you have to do is lift up your hand and say, Pastor, pray for me. I want a relationship with God. I want to know him beyond a shadow of a doubt. Oh, Father, I lift the, I pray for these hands that were lifted to grow closer to you. Father, they know you. They're saved. They just want to draw closer to you. And I pray that today they would say, okay, I'm going to make today a starting point to draw close to you, to read your word, to pray. Lord, I can't do it on my own. Be honest with you, I won't make it two feet out this door without being back the way I was. So I need your Holy Spirit. Would you just fill me with your Holy Spirit to do your will and to do your work? I pray that. All of you raise your hands. I pray that in the name of Jesus. Okay, we're running a little bit late. I'm going to pray a blessing over you, and then the worship teams will close us out. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and give you peace and a hope. God bless you guys. Let's worship, and then we'll be dismissed. We hope you enjoyed today's message. We'd love to hear from you and see you in person at the church. You can find our contact information, location, and even give a donation at calvarychapellubbock.church. We'll see you next time on the podcast. Until then, may God bless you and your family.